Good evening, everyone. It is the end of the book of Colossians tonight. Uh, if you are new here, you haven't been here for very long. We've been journeying through a, a, a brief letter in the New Testament of the Bible called Colossians, um, written from a guy named Paul to a church in Colossae. Um, and it took us about six months to get through this four-chapter book. Uh, and it's been quite a journey. So I love a good finale, like thinking of Endgame, thinking of Deathly Hollows Part 2, um, whatever your greatest finale is. But tonight, let's start by finishing off Colossians chapter 4, verse 18. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Guys, we're done with Colossians. All good right there. Uh, guys, come on. So good. All right. Well, we're going to unpack that and go and kind of do a recap tonight of where we've been at in the book of Colossians. We've been journeying over this book over the last six months or so, and it has um, been so helpful and transformative in my life in this season of life. Uh, I make no secret about it. This last year has been one of the hardest years of my life, and I'd imagine in your own way, you'd probably say the same. And in the midst of this, in the midst of the uncertainties, in the midst of the frustrations, in the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of me overthinking everything always, being reminded throughout the, the, the scope of this book that Jesus is supreme and Jesus is enough has meant everything. has been such an important reminder because I'm forgetful. I'm forgetful. Um, I can be tempted into believing that it's actually all up to me, that I better work hard, that I better figure it all out, that I'm tempted to go at it alone, that I am tempted to doubt, that I am tempted towards disbelief and unfaithfulness. So the reminder that Jesus is supreme and Jesus is enough has been monumental as we have studied this book over the last six months. And if you ever are curious about it after tonight and you want to go back and listen, you can go on our podcast and you can podcast the entire book of Colossians in there as we took it piece by piece. Now, we wanted to take one more week, though, to put a bow on this letter to come together and to celebrate all that we have learned and all that we've discovered in this ancient text. Now, why does this matter? Well, like I said, if you're anything like me, you can be forgetful. We human beings are a forgetful people. We forget God's goodness. We forget God's greatness. We forget his faithfulness and his love and his tender mercy. What about God are you tempted frequently to forget about? So we need to constantly remind ourselves and one another of who God is. In the book of Genesis, when mankind falls and rebels against the holy God, there's the obvious piece that it, it created tension between us and God, an eternal separation that existed there. But one of the things that it did that we don't often talk about is it distorted our image of God and his goodness, that we started questioning everything about him, his motives, that between us and him, we're tempted to trust ourselves and not trusting him. When if your life is anything like mine, it is proven that it should probably be the other way around. So as we look at this, as we think about the misunderstandings that we can have of God, that we can forget his faithfulness, his goodness, his love, his tender mercy, we, can, we are tempted towards unbelief. We are tempted towards forgetfulness. And we forget to look for the beautiful stories of redemption that Jesus is telling in and through our 
lives. So as we finish the book of Colossians tonight, we're going to engage in, in our message in a more interactive way than normal. Um, so it's going, to be, it, it's going to be hopefully a really sweet time for all of us. And throughout our time together, what we're going to do is we are going to, um, as I'm going through chapter by chapter, um, we're going to take a time for prayer. So I'm going to kind of send out a prayer prompt and I'll, and I'll share a prayer prompt with you. And then what we're going to do is take about 60 seconds in our seat to just pray over this prayer prompt that I will issue out. And then either one of our elders, one of our deacons or one of our ministry leaders is going to come up and then they will, after 60 seconds, close that prayer prompt out in prayer. And so we're going to do that with each chapter. So we're going to have four of those throughout the night. So just so that doesn't catch you off guard. So hopefully this ends up being a really meaningful time for all of us as we engage together, praying together as a community. So before we do that, though, let's go back into our text for tonight. Colossians chapter four, verse 18. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So in this short verse, we're going to unpack it a little bit. He starts by saying, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Now, what this is obviously alluding to is that for the majority of the letter, up until this point, he does not handwrite it. Instead, he would, um, he would employ the talents of somebody who would be a scribe that would write down all the actual piece of the letter and help him talk through it and work through all the letter. So that way he got it exactly, um, exactly where he wanted it to be. And that also is probably pinned with somebody probably with pretty good handwriting. Um, I don't know if that was Paul's forte or not, but he added somebody. And at the very end, he would, always, he would often add a personal touch where he would write something like, I am writing this in my own hand. He wanted to add a personalized approach to it at the very end, just saying like, hey, I, I was actually in, in this process and I wanted to write in my own handwriting a special greeting just to you guys. So he is saying, I, Paul, write this in, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Now, this is such an important piece of information for us to remember in light of the entirety of the book of Colossians, because we need to remember that Jesus is supreme and Jesus is enough, not when things are going easy. Are you ever tempted to that? Like you're like, yeah, God's good. But then as soon as stuff is hitting the fan, you're like, no, he's not. He's the worst. And you're like, this is terrible. I don't know whatever saw in that God, but like, whoo. But Paul is saying, remember my chains. He's not talking about metaphorical chains, although there's always metaphorical chains in the world, but he is talking about the literal chains as he is sitting in Rome under imprisonment under Roman guards. He is enduring persecution and suffering in real time when he is writing this letter. Remember my chains. Remember that as I write these things to you, I'm not writing them out of how easy everything is going. I'm not saying this because it all makes sense because everything is just so light, breezy, and easy. In the middle of this, Jesus is supreme and Jesus is enough. And this is true whether you are sitting in prison like Paul for your faith in Jesus, whether you are sitting with a parent in a hospital bed, whether you are dealing with difficult realities in your workplace right now. And in chapter one, that's where Paul starts. So we're going to go back to chapter one, Colossians one, starting in verse 15. And I just want to read a brief passage from Colossians one. And in here, what he's going to unpack is right belief in Jesus. So he's going to be talking about a proper understanding of who Jesus is. He, 
Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. For a full unpacking, again, you can go and check out the podcast. But what I want us to focus on here is this is who Jesus is. This is who he is. Now, the reality is that everyone seems to want to claim Jesus, but very few want to accept Jesus as he is. In fact, most Americans would say something positive about Jesus, I would imagine. He was either a great moral teacher, um, he was a good example to follow in life, or maybe he was even a holy person, a prophet. But Jesus is not just those things. He is supreme and he is enough. And to accept Jesus as he is, well, that means we have to surrender ourselves. And that's where it gets scary. That's where it gets hard. But within him, we find life, light, and freedom. Now, it's easy to rush right past right belief and go right to right living. The idea that we're like, yeah, I know enough about God. I need to just, I need to figure out what, is it, what does it mean to live a good life? What are the causes that I should care about and champion? What's the, the kind of character that I should in, inhabit? What are the things that I should do? And all that is important, but not on our own terms. See, right belief informs right living. So we have to start with understanding who Jesus is. We can't rush to just learning how, how to live like Jesus. We have to constantly come back to the incredible truth of who he is and what he has done for us. So this takes us into our first prayer prompt for the night. So we're going to start with the prayer of gratitude. A prayer of gratitude for the truth that Jesus really is supreme and Jesus really is enough. And if you're here tonight and you're not a praying person, you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus or a Christian, it's totally okay. Uh, hope it's not too awkward for you. But instead, what I would just love for you to witness is that this is a community where we truly believe that we get to talk to the creator of the cosmos. And that in that, whatever that might mean to you, that you would receive that this is a community that desires to be faithful and desires to truly know our creator, God. So we're going to lift up prayers of gratitude and we're going to simply spend time expressing gratitude for the beautiful truth that Jesus is supreme, that he is over all the chaos and all the beauty of this world and that nothing surprises him, that he really is enough, that we can't add anything to Jesus to improve him. There is no philosophy, nothing we can do and nothing we can hope in that adds anything to Jesus. So the first prayer prompt is to spend a minute praying prayers of gratitude for the truth of who Jesus is. And then after a minute, um, I'm gonna, um, uh, one of our elders, Eddie, is going to come up and he's going to offer a prayer of gratitude. So let's go ahead and just bow our heads and just enter into a moment of prayer of gratitude.
Heavenly Father, when we take the time to slow down and understand your love for us and how that has worked out through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, I pray that it brings an overwhelming feeling of thankfulness, appreciation, and gratitude in our lives. As we gaze our eyes upwards to the expanse of the skies where everything we know of is more than we could comprehend, as we look downward to what we have here on earth, it's all so wonderful and amazing as well. Scripture tells us that all these things were created by you, through you, and for you. It exists because you hold it together continually. You are the Lord of creation. Every breath we take is a gift from you, and we are grateful for each breath. We're also overwhelmed with gratitude for your work of a new life that is given to us when we confess of who you are and what you did from the gospel. Jesus, you are not only Lord over all of creation, but over our salvation as well. You are perfect in every way, but we don't live in a perfect world, and this doesn't catch you off guard. In fact, you are still creating life as we pray. A new life in hearts that come to him, and a life that is like Christ for those who are his own. Jesus unifies and brings together hearts and makes them one out of his love for us, along with the Holy Spirit in us. He is our giver of life, example in life, and our only reason to live life. Jesus, you are enough. You are not done working and creating new things in this world. We get to be a part of your work, and that brings about a heart of gratitude. Help us remember in everything we do all day and all night long is only for you and not for any other reason or person. We want to serve you only because you are supreme. Amen. So now we're going to continue in Colossians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 6. So he starts with right belief again. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord, right belief. So walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See, we're not supposed to jump right to right living. We are supposed to believe rightly and accept rightly the truth of who Jesus is and what he is doing in our lives and in our world. But we aren't supposed to just stay at right belief. That right belief has to become active if it has truly affected our lives. And out of that right living, we move. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. This is following the way of our rabbi Jesus that we need to have our minds and our hearts constantly refocused on who Jesus is that we can follow in his footsteps, that we can follow in his way. See, to walk after Jesus, to be rooted in him is the journey of deep discipleship. To learn from one another what it looks like to know God and to make him known in our world. It's what it means to grow in our understanding of the scriptures, to grow in greater theological clarity of the truths of God, to grow in spiritual formations in community. That together, this is the journey that we get to go on, that we don't go and try to figure out what it means to walk in him alone. We do it together. This is living in light of the truth that Jesus is supreme. 
that Jesus is enough. That as we grow in this discipleship journey, we are established in the faith. We grow firmer roots and we aren't taken captive by philosophies, deceit, and human traditions. That we are rooted in who he is. That we can't be swayed any longer. And this belief, the belief though, has to transform us. But it can't be created by us. I don't have the ability to make myself better. That's one of the few things I know for sure. I'm not good enough to make myself better. Instead, I need to come to the point like the gentleman that once spoke to Jesus saying, Lord, Lord, I believe. Would you help me with my unbelief? I realize this is true, but I still struggle with doubting the truthfulness of it. I question whether it could be too good to be true. And out of that, we have to draw near to Jesus out of our deep and abiding need for him. Which takes us to our next prayer point for the night. So we're going to be doing a prayer of need for God's guidance on the journey of walking in Jesus. So we're going to turn to that desperate need because we cannot do it on our own. The truth is, is if any of you um, have listen to this concept of discipleship and you're like, oh yeah, that's easy. I could do that by like next week at three o'clock on Wednesday. Like I can just master all of this. Then you're probably wrong or you're just a lot better than I am. But either way, our truest needs, we cannot meet on our own. So we have to draw near to Jesus because apart from him, we can do nothing. That's not me talking, that's Jesus. We aren't capable of this journey alone. We need God's help that we'd abide in him. So now let's take a minute and we're going to pray that God would help us to move from right belief to right living. That we would walk in the way of Jesus, that we would grow as deep disciples, listening and obeying the word of God over the best of human traditions or even the best of our own personal understanding. That when there's a rub between ourselves and the scriptures, we choose God's word over ourselves, which is really hard. So we're going to pray for that, that God would cultivate in us something deep out of our great need. And after a minute or so, one of our deacons and um, our, one of our discipleship ministry leaders, Aubrey, is going to come up to the mic and she will close this time in prayer. So let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, it is in you that we live and move and have our being. I pray that we would be so aware of this dependence on you in every aspect of our lives. You are the author of our faith, and you will perfect our faith as we follow the way of Jesus. Go before us and give us the power to learn and obey your word, the strength to recognize and resist temptation, 
and the courage to slay our deepest sins. In the midst of a self-sufficient culture, let us not be fooled into thinking that we can muster the strength to do battle on our own, but let us call upon you to protect and provide. And as you transform us in Christ's likeness, as you promise you will, let us be quick to give you the glory for every good thing we see you do in and through our lives. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So let's continue on in Colossians 3. All right. Ready to get your mind blown by, by a passage of scripture? Here it is. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. See, not only are we meant to be, our lives meant to be transformed by the truth of who Jesus is, the reality that he is supreme and that he is enough. But the core of who we are, our very identities are transformed by him. That in a world that is constantly trying to tell us who we are at our core, Jesus is able to look in and say, I know the realest version of you all along. That we would believe that our lives are no longer our own and that the one who is supreme and who is enough has called us new creations, being shaped in the image of God, the image that we were meant to be all along. And that as we believe that, we would realize that it's not about trying harder. It's not about being better. But when we internalize who we were created to be, our lives are transformed in response which in verse 12, he continues this way. Then put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. See, this heart transformation comes from a transformed identity. Did you get that? Look at verse 12 again. Put on then as God's chosen ones. We don't put on compassionate hearts, meekness, kindness, all these things to prove something to God or to the world. But because this is now who we are, because we are now God's chosen ones, then we can do all of this. But not for God's affections, not for his love, not for the care of anyone else but because we are loved, everything changes. So this is the work of Jesus. And after all of my work to be better or to do more, I am amazed by this truth because it's him that goes through the work of identity transformation. And that is something to be grateful for. It's not on you. Let that burden be lifted. So with that, we're gonna go into our next prayer prompt which is a prayer of gratitude for the work that Jesus has begun and will finish in us. So we're going to pray that because of the fact that Jesus is supreme, that I don't have to fix myself. Because of the fact that Jesus is enough, my best efforts add nothing to the work that he has accomplished on my behalf on the cross. That the work that he is doing in my heart, in my life, in my soul, he will finish it. 
He is the one who is active and working. So let's take a minute to pray, expressing gratitude that Jesus is in the business of transforming our identities. And after a minute or so, one of our deacons, uh, my wife and uh, my greatest ministry partner for life, Allie is going to come up here and uh, she will close this prayer prompt um, in prayer. So let's go ahead and bow our heads again. Father, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You look at each of us and see the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of our creator. In your holy word, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 reminds us of this truth. For grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You, Father, began a good work in us, and you will bring it to completion. Thank you that you are with us in the depths of sin and in the joys of becoming our true selves, reflection of your Son. Thank you that the good works you prepared for us will bring you honor and glory. Thank you that you wrote each of us into this story. Thank you for sending your son to pay the penalty for sins that we can be clothed in his righteousness. I look forward to the day when we live completely free from sin and death and as new creations. Please continue to use us for good works. Let us walk in your will as we accomplish your good works that you've prepared especially for us. Amen. 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 So now let's go into Colossians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse two. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. See, Paul realized his deep need for partnership with this church, that he needed to not only pray for them, but he needed their prayers for him in the middle of his situation in his prison cell. In that same way, we need gospel partnership with one another. If we are part of the family of God, we need each other. We need to live interdependent lives with one another. And Paul encouraged them to be intentional and gracious and winsome in the way that they communicated with those outside of the family of faith, outside of the church. And that same call rests on us. It's not always the case. That's not always how we come across. But that the truth is that out of right belief in Jesus, our lives are transformed. 
Our identities are transformed, but also our mission is transformed. We realize that our, we have this deep need for one another, that we aren't lone wolfing it, that we aren't called to go and figure it out on our own, but that we deeply need one another. And we do this out of a heart dependence for the work of Jesus in and through our lives and in our lives as a community together. I think about um, one of the times when I really botched this, when, I, when that description of how you should uh, interact with outsiders was so not me. Um, it's, it's pretty embarrassing, but I'll share it with you guys because we're friends. Um, but it was, I just came to Christ. I was like 19 years old and I go and I'm in a convenience store and, and I'm like, I need, and I was having this conversation with an individual that's working there and we're just talking and then, um, Jesus gets brought up. So I'm starting to talk and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to talk to him about, I'm going to share the gospels with me. It's so good. I don't even know how to do this. What am I going to say? I'll just see what happens. And the first thing that comes out of my mouth is, do you know you're a sinner? And then I like moonwalked right out the room and my buddy is busting up laughing. Like he is dead. And the guy's laughing too. Cause he knows that I like was a knucklehead. And I was like, so winsome, mm, not exactly gracious season with salt. Um, I learned a lot then. <laughs> I learned how not to come across ever. Um, and I still come across poorly sometimes. So, but we are called to live in utter dependence towards Jesus in interdependence with one another. And when we lone wolf it, we take the benefit about what God can do in and through our lives collectively when we are praying with one another, when we are doing life with one another, when we are learning from one another. Because as we learn from one another, we are ultimately learning from Jesus. We can't do it on our own. Which takes us into our fourth prayer prompt for the night. This is our prayer of need for God's empowering to live interdependently within this community and lovingly and wisely with those outside of the church. See, for our final prayer prompt, we're gonna take a moment and talk and pray with God that out of our desperation for God to empower our community, to allow the truth of who Jesus is, to help us live lives as a connected community and that we would be transformed to live intentionally, graciously, and winsomely in community, that we would realize that we need each other so that we can love one another well and love those outside of these walls well as well. We need each other. So we're gonna pray out of that need. And then after a minute of prayer, I'm gonna invite um, our prayer ministry leader, Amy Kuo, to come up and she's gonna close this, this final prayer time down. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, what a gift biblical community is when it's modeled after your eternal community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
But how quickly do we let our differences define and divide us as we seek to identify ourselves and one another as anything but children of God? As a unified body, Lord, let us advance your kingdom with our eyes fixed on declaring the mystery of Christ. Focus our gaze on Jesus and his glory so the truth of his beauty and majesty overwhelms us and compels us to unify in worship and in ministry to the world around us. Lord, make us an example to outsiders of love, harmony, and fellowship. It's only by your power that we can come together. So let us lose ourselves in your presence and find ourselves arm in arm in singular focus and singular mission together with our brothers and sisters. Ignite in us a collective passion to wisely embrace any opportunity you give us to live intentionally and graciously with those who need the great mercy that you have shown us. Finally, Lord, let us build up and strengthen one another to reflect Christ more and more day after day until we all unite in perfect community in your presence forever. Amen. 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 Thanks, all of you, for praying with us. That was really cool. So let's end with this. Colossians chapter 4, verse 18, once again. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Oftentimes in Paul's writings, he would end with something called a, um, a benediction, which is a short prayer of remembrance. And that's what he was doing in that simple line. Grace be with you you. See, in saying that, what he is saying is, God, would your divine care be over the lives and hearts of these individuals that I care so deeply about? There's something so beautiful and pastoral about that. Such a simple phrase can carry such beautiful heart, wisdom, care, and compassion. And as we've journeyed through the book of Colossians, we have covered so much ground, so many, so many beautiful, wondrous things about who Jesus is. So it's fitting that in the simplicity of the truth that Jesus is supreme and Jesus is enough that he would end it with grace be with you. So it's in that same heart, that same care that I want to pray that simple prayer over all of us tonight. Grace be with you.